You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The New You. This series attempts to capture the essence of the new life given to us by Jesus, one not mastered by mistakes of the past, but a life of ultimate joy, peace, and freedom. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Before we get started, I'd like to welcome our Washington location and at the location at the lake. Um, if you're new here, uh, we're nearly 700 people over three different locations getting ready to start a fourth location here in a few weeks in Kirkwood, Missouri. Uh, it's good to all uh, be together here today and looking forward to that, that day where we launch uh, that location. And we're in a series called New You. And uh, I ex- recently, me and my wife, we, we moved to a new house. And with that has come a lot of newness. Uh, we've got new grocery stores, new lawn and care needs, uh, new maintenance needs, new neighbors, new taxes, new commute, new speed traps. Um, we've got um, the, probably the biggest newness that I'm experiencing is like a new way to do trash. So from the city, you know, we, I love the alley system. I loved having something really smelly and stinky and being able to throw it into the alley. Uh, that's my, now I have to kind of gather it up in my garage and wait an entire week uh, before we could take it out. Or if I had something really big that I needed to get rid of, I might just put it in the alley and somebody eventually would take it. And so, and, and I ain't going to lie to you, sometimes I would go pick stuff up. It was like, if you, if, you're, if you don't know what a city alley is, it's like one big consignment store. You know, you give a little bit and, and you take uh, a little bit. Uh, now, you know, when I want big stuff to take away, I've got to spend money. I got to get on the phone. I got to have conversations. It's just a whole new thing. So I'm experiencing a lot of newness, some good, uh, some not so good. But here's the thing about when you become a Christian, there is a lot of newness and it is all good newness. Um, What Christianity isn't, Christianity isn't uh, setting down a few bad habits and picking up a few more uh, good habits. When you become a Christian, you become an altogether new person. In fact, Paul writes in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 that we are now new creations uh, in Christ. So the first week we explored this idea, uh, this new you, we sp- about uh, being a new person, that uh, what drives us and motivates us is completely new. Before, G- before you came to Jesus, sin was your master. Sin would say jump and you would say how high. You would do whatever, you know, if they, it would just pull you around uh, like a slave. But now because of Jesus, the power of sin in your life is broken and now you're dead to sin and alive in Christ, and one of the big examples we gave is from the life of Augustine. He was an early church father, and he was known uh, for having a, a a significant lust issue. He had multiple affairs, and when he came to Jesus, he he set that aside. I'm dead to that, and I'm, I'm now alive in Christ. And he tells a story about one day walking down the street, and one of his mistresses called out and said, "Hey, you know, let's go have an affair." And he's like, "You know, nice to see you. No, thank you," and kind of just went on his way. And then she yells back out, you know, maybe, maybe he didn't know who I was. And so she yells out, said, hey, Augustine, it's me. And he turns around and says, yeah, I know, but it's not me. I'm, I'm dead to that and I'm live to Christ. I used to be someone uh, who needed the affection of women. Now I, don't. I used to be someone who lost, but now I don't. I used to be someone who got angry all the time. I used to be someone who got jealous all the time. I used to be someone who would covet, uh, who was insecure, who was a people pleaser. That's who I used to be, but I'm dead to that and I'm now alive in Christ. That's who I am. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to choose anymore to present the members of my body, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears. I'm not going to present my, the members of my body for unrighteousness, for sin. I'm going to choose not to do that. And now I can choose 
to present myself, present my body for as an instrument of righteousness because I've been severed from the power of sin and now I can live this new life in Christ. And so I'm a new uh, person and I have a new authority. So I don't just do what I want to do. If I just live my life based upon my impulses, it's like building your life upon the sand. How many know it's not a good idea to build your life on the sand or your house on the sand? Not many ha- you, um, Don't buy a whole house alone, guys. Don't do that. Get somebody who knows that you should not build a house on sand because here's what happens. When the wind comes, if you build your life on sand, you're, you're done. But if you build your life upon Jesus and his teaching, his word, you're, you're, it's like building a house on the rock. So when the storms come, and, and they always come, they come, they come, they come. Even when the ultimate storm comes, death. You don't move because you're anchored to something eternal. I don't know about you, but I want to be connected to something eternal, not something transient. So I've got, I'm a new person. I've got a new authority. And today I want to look at how we have a new mission. Jesus gives us a new mission. And this is a fantastic message. If you're new to Christianity, you know, we had a couple of baptisms today. You know, if, you, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, okay, what's this all about? This series is tailor-made for you. This is like how you operate in this new life. This is how you get uh, through this new life. These, this is key for you. And then hopefully you can connect with other believers to, to encourage each other on that. Uh, this is also great, uh, a good series if you've been a Christian for a while and you've drifted a bit. Uh, in your walk with Jesus. And the thing about drifting is you never, you never drift in the right direction. Like you don't drift in the right lane of traffic. You drift in the wrong lane of traffic. You don't drift into good exercise habits. You drift out of good exercise habits. You don't drift to having a better relationship. You drift away from relationships. So maybe, it's, maybe through this series, you'll, you'll kind of rediscover what this life in Christ is all about, and you'll discover the new you. And, and if you're new to Christian, if you're not a Christian yet, here's my plug. Uh, today, I just want to like do full disclosure. I mean, you're looking over the fence, peeking over the fence, trying to figure out who Jesus is. And a lot of preachers like myself, we feel like, you know, there's only so much of the gospel you can tolerate. And so this series is like, hey, this is what it is. This is what it means to be a Christian. And uh, which you know, this is how Jesus taught it. And so we think that will be really uh, good for you. And let me just tell you the point of the message from the beginning, in case you nod off, in case you get into like a really great game of Candy Crush or something. Let me just tell you what this is all about. This is, this is the message in one sentence. When you become a Christian, you lay down your mission, you pick up the mission of Jesus. When you become a Christian, you lay down your mission and you pick up the mission of Jesus. What is the mission of Jesus? The mission of Jesus um, was to pour his life out for the glory of God, for the glory of his Father, and for the benefit of others. The mission of Jesus was to pour, think like pouring out a pitcher of water, was to pour his life out to glorify his Father and for the benefit of others. The background of Luke 5 is Luke 4. And uh, what we see here in Luke 4 is that Jesus is pouring himself out to ministry to other people. Uh, He's not so much serving himself. He is serving other uh, people. And the first thing that we see here in verse 31, in fact, if you you just get your Bibles out, if you put them away, will you get them back out for me? Um, It's page 860 if you have one of those black Bibles. I would love for your eyeballs to be actually looking at um, the page. Would be awesome and helpful for you. 
And, uh, and what we see here, and this day starts off, he starts off, he's preaching in the synagogue, preaching for a long time in the synagogue. And they say an hour of preaching is like an eight-hour workday. It is exhausting. So when I'm done here after two services, I, I go home, I, I sit in my chair, I watch sports, and I drool. I'm done. I'm just like, I'm, I can't do anymore. But after Jesus gets done preaching, he's not done. He sticks around. He engages people. He asks, you know, he's answering questions. And then he casts out a demon. And because he did that, he's got to answer more questions. And then he's like, well, now he leaves. But he doesn't leave to go, um, you know, chill out but he, or to veg. But he goes to Simon's mother-in-law, uh, to Simon's mother-in-law's house and uh, heals her of a fever. But he's not done. It says, as the sun was setting, you know, it's been a long day. It says um, that all of those who had any who were sick were various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. So this is a full day uh, of ministry. If you want to, if you want to pick up the ministry, mission of Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus, what he did is he poured out his life to ministry of others. Are you pouring out your life in ministry to others? You may not preach to crowds, but you can preach to a coworker. It could be sharing the gospel with a coworker. It could be serving a neighbor. It could be counseling a friend. Uh, it, it could be hosting a community group. It could be rela- investing relational time in, into people who maybe don't get a lot of phone calls instead of trying to be the cool kid like it's high school all over again. You can give yourself away to things that maybe don't give back. And there's just countless examples of things we can do. But the point is that Jesus poured out his life in ministry of others. And so the next day, it was like, well, that was, you know, that was Sunday, right? And so, like, obviously every other day of the week is, um, you know, it's off day. And, but that's not what happens here. Um, he did bolt away for some quiet time, not for a physical recharge, but for a spiritual recharge. And just to say, you know, we need to be spending time with our Father in prayer, just like Jesus withdraw. But when, when people came and find him, like, hey, we want more ministry. You spoke with authority. Uh, no one else speaks with authority like you. You cast out demons and, and you heal people without a copay. I mean, you just, you, you like, this is, this is amazing. Like, we want more of what Jesus has. And so they come and find him. And so he goes off to do more ministry, but he does it differently this time. He begins uh, to get other people involved. And so if you look at chapter 5, verse 4, this is what it says. It says, And when he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, or sir, just a sign of respect, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Took nothing. They had already come to shore. They are washing their nets uh, they were putting everything away. They were shutting down the lights. They were counting the till. They had been out all night. And I can imagine Peter is already, he can already feel his head hit the pedal, uh, uh, excuse me, pillow. And here comes Jesus, this carpenter, telling him to go out and fish again. Now, now Peter was an expert fisherman. I don't know if you know the background of Peter, but he was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. His, his grandfather was probably a fisherman. And he's just a long line of fishermen. He was an expert fisherman. And here's this carpenter coming to him and saying, hey, let's go fishing. And Peter's like, come on, Jesus. I mean, we've been out all night, haven't caught a boat, a boot, and uh, we haven't caught a fish. We haven't caught anything. And you're telling us to go uh, do this. We've already cleaned our nets. We've already closed things down. 
Um, you know, I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter. If this thing involved wood, I might get your advice, but this is fish. I know fish. You stick to wood, I'll stick to fish. No thank you, uh, and go on. And um, look, I think if we're being honest, I think a lot of us would struggle um, when Jesus comes to give us advice in areas that we perceive ourselves as having a bit of an expertise. Like, Jesus, if I want to know something about the Bible, I would ask you, but, I mean, this is real estate. I mean, what do you know about real estate, Jesus? You know, I'm kind of a, an expert when it comes to, to parenting. Parenting's kind of my thing. Um, you know, if I, had, if I wanted to pray or something like that, I'll, I'll come get you. Rach and I have taken, um, you know, we've struggled at times, you know, like where we perceive ourselves as being experts in an area. Yeah, Jesus, we don't know how to do this. We'll come ask you for this. But, you know, we've got this. But we've taken real estate advice from Jesus when it didn't make sense. We've taken educational advice from Jesus when it didn't make sense. We've taken career advice from Jesus when it didn't make sense. You know what? He always, 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 it always comes out in this outstanding kind of who-to-thunk-it kind of way. Like he just blows our mind every time. And that's what happens here. It says when they had done when they um, had done this, what Jesus said, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Just unbelievable. So what do they do? What does Peter do? Well Peter falls down and he fell down at Jesus' needs and he said, um, get away from me, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And here's what you got to love about Peter. Uh, he's the guy who fails all the time. I mean, he's like the Charlie Brown of Christianity. He's like, he can't quite get his foot on the ball. He always ends up on his backside. He's always failing, but he ends up, I mean, when you, when you know the story, he ends up writing two books of the Bible. Uh, he ends up being one of the key members, key leaders of the church. Uh, he ends up being martyred. And when he's martyred, they wanted to crucify him. And he says, I am not worthy of being crucified in the manner of my Lord. And he was crucified upside down. He changed. He grew. He was really changing. He was really growing. Let me ask you a question. Are you, are you changing? Are, are you growing? Not do you know more Bible verses. Not... Not do you know more information, but are you actually changing? God is not after your perfection, but he is after your sanctification. Sanctification is, is just a big Bible word that means um, you're, you're growing, you're changing, you're becoming more like Jesus. And God doesn't expect you to be perfect. I mean, you know, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, there's only one who's perfect. Jesus said there's only, there's only one who's good, and that's God. There's only one good. We don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. But he, what he wants from us is, and this following him is to become more like him. And the, the way that we come more like him is we uh, look to him. We look away from ourselves. We look to him. And in humble repentance, we grow. We come to him just like Peter. Peter was not mature in the beginning. He blew it all the time. He was voted most likely to stick his foot in his mouth. He was voted most likely to spew out bad theology. He was most, most likely just to get it wrong. But he was, also mo- he was also voted most likely to go to Jesus when he failed. He didn't go hide in a corner. I mean, you think about it. I mean, he, he, his atti- he had a terrible attitude. 
I mean, he's just like, he's just being totally condescending. You know, Jesus is like, hey, you know, why don't you go try the other side of the boat? Okay, like that'll work. You know, here, you know, you are Jewish carpenter. You read the Torah for a living. You work, work with wood. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. Hey, but since you say so, it's kind of like that moment where you know it's a right, but your wife says a, a left, and you, and you know it's not true, but you're like, well, be, hey, because you say so, we'll just prove how you're wrong. And so, um, hey, don't leave me hanging like that. You do it too. And so we, um, and so he does that. He's just like, okay, fine. I'll just do it just to prove that you're wrong. We'll cast her that's on the other side. No faith, no nothing. Now, if I was him, I would have ran and I would have hid. When I'm wrong, I, would, I, I, I want to run. I want to hide. But here's Peter. He comes to the feet of Jesus. And he repents. He's immature, but he's teachable. He's repentant. When he blows it, he owns it. And he comes to Jesus. I want to encourage us to be like Peter. Don't, hey, don't have to be perfect. In fact, let's not be the church that pretends. Let's not be the church that puts on a mask. Let's not be the church who just acts like everything okay when we know it's not. But let's be the church that goes quickly to the feet of Jesus when we fail. Verse 9 says, For he... And all who were with him were astonished at the, the catch of fish that had taken in. So also were James, John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. This is a cool little thing about what Jesus does. He took these pre-existing relationships, Peter, James, John. They were in business together. They were partners in fishing. And now he's going to make them partners in the gospel. These three were core, key leaders in the development and the start of the church. And, and Jesus, in his providence, he, he knows the times and dates. He knows... Uh, where people are going to be born. He sets relationships up in his sovereignty so to use them for his purposes. And he takes these relationships and he leverages them for his purposes. And just to say, maybe sometimes you don't know, oh, where do I start? How do I begin? I, I think that, I just want you to know that God has sovereignly put you around people that he wants you to do ministry with. Maybe you're a married couple. God wants you to do ministry together. At a, as a, so maybe you open up your home and you do hospitality or you open up your home and you lead a group, or those of you who are single or roommates, that God is, you know, you chose, you know, you think you chose, but God brought you guys together. Think of ways that you can minister to other people. We've got a, a crew in our church, these four people, they all work the same graphic design firm, they work on the same team doing graphics, and, that, and now they've leveraged that, and they work on the same team to do graphics for us. These natural relationships uh, spew out that way, and they use them to catch fish. And so Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Hey, look, I, you know, you messed up. You're coming to me. Hey, I'm not wanting to knock you over the head, but here's what I want to do. I, I want to change the mission of your life. You are no longer going to be catching fish, and you are now going to be catching men. When you come to Jesus, you get a new mission. Jesus fundamentally changes the pursuit of your life. You may not change your occupation, but I guarantee you what Jesus wants to do, he wants to change your preoccupation. He wants to change what you worry about. He wants to change what you're focused on. He wants to change what you give all your energy to. He wants to take you from being fishers of men, or excuse me, fishers of fish and fishers of men. He wants to make that change. But unfortunately, at least in America, that's not the Christian experience. Uh, people meet Jesus through faithful ministers of the gospel. They get baptized. 
they have a burst of enthusiasm, and it seems like within a few months, they go into Christian retirement. And um, they get stuck in this place where it's, you know, the goal is, it's, you know, they want to be as comfortable, we, we want to be as comfortable as we possibly can be until it's their time. And like retirees, their days end early. Uh, like retirees, um, they're complaining Trumps are doing by like a 10 to 1 ratio. Like retirees, their most inspired moment is when they sit around and talk about the good old days of what they used to do. And they complain about the, the young kids these days and uh, the ones who are fighting the wars and the ones who are building the economy. And that's what Christian retirees do. But when you become a Christian, you get a new mission. It's no longer about pouring energy into your life. It's no longer about pouring yourself into you. It's about pouring your life into others for the glory of God. There is no such thing as Christian retirement. Well, actually there is. It's called death. And on the other side of death is a wonderful reality called heaven uh, that we get to be with him in, in bliss and in awesomeness for eternity. And we have that day. But there's something that we can't do in heaven that we can only do on earth, which is to be our primary focus and our primary activity to give ourselves. The only thing that we cannot do in heaven is we cannot be fishers of men. That, there's, there's, God in his grace has a door open to heaven where we're collecting people, collecting people, collecting people, collecting people, and there will be a day where that door will shut. People say things like, well, you know, I, you know, I'm young, I don't have kids, now's the time for me to travel. When am I ever going to get to travel again? You will get to travel for all of eternity. Heaven is a place where, without sounding corny, all of your dreams come true. There will be sights, there will be sounds that trump anything here on earth. There will be things to discover, there will be work, there will be all kinds of amazing things. I've got to pour myself into my job while I'm young. When am I ever going to get that chance again? For all of eternity. There will be houses and mansions and work and but you know what you won't get to do in heaven? You will not get to be fishers of men. That time is now. And Jesus is calling you out of pursuit of you and to pursuit of others. Imagine that time is this flowing river. And in this river, it just keeps, it's going in one direction. And there are people in this river. And they're flowing down this river. And the, this river ends. And it ends at a place called hell. An eternity called hell. And in this river, there are white people, there are black people. In this river, there are old people and there are young people. There are educated, there are not educated. There are rich and there are poor. What is the church? This is the church. The church is a group of believers in Jesus who lock arms together and they stand in that river and they catch as many people as they can from going over that cliff. Jesus wants to bring us together in tight um, intensive community, cohesive community. He wants to make us a strong net and he wants to throw us out into the world to catch whole subcultures of people. 
That's what the church is. And you could read about this. I mean, we put together an annual report every year. We do testimonies and things like that. And you can read this annual report on the city. If you're not in the city, go to the, one of the info booth in your location to, to figure this out, to get on the city. And you could read about, it's also on the website, I guess, too. You can read about all the stories of how people have, their lives have been changed because a body of believers have linked arm in arm and said, we're going to make our, make our life about one thing. It's about catching men and women. But it's so easy for us to fall in this trap where we're like, great, my sins are forgiven. Jesus is my homeboy. I got a few Christians, friends, and the church is here for me. And when it isn't, I got a few churches, you know, as a backup plan to help me out when you guys don't want to help me out. Um, But what about all these people? Well, tough. Anyway, Brian, I would never say that. I would never say, I, I would never say that I don't care about the loss, but you don't care with your wallet. You don't care with your schedule. You don't care with your passion. Christianity is not some mental assent to some beliefs. But what Christianity is, is a becoming an altogether different person, which is a good thing. People say to me, hey, Brian, I'm just trying to be myself. I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. You, you need to become a different person. We all need to become a different person. We're all born into this world of narcissism and self Love and self-thinking, we wake up every day, we look at the God of the mirror, and we say, how can I serve this God? How can I love this God? How can I perfect this God? And we, we always fall short of that, those, that pursuit. It's why we're depressed. It's why we're narcissistic. It's why we can never, ever be happy. God wants to free us from that. He wants to release us from the bondage of self-love, self-pursuit, making our, the God that we serve, the person in the mirror, He wants to free us from that and give us a new mission and a new purpose. The invitation of Jesus is this. Stop your mission. Pick up my mission. Join join it with your wallet. Join it with your schedule. Join it with your energy. Join it with your passion. Join it with everything that you have. And these guys, well, let me just see. What did it cost? It says that they, and they had bought their boats, excuse me, they had brought their boats to land, and they left what? What does it say? What does it say? Everything. They left everything. They left their businesses. They left their families. They left, their, they left everything. Some people, well, what about, you know, it's cool, bro, but what about J-Kids? What about a better youth program? I don't like the series. I don't like the music. You know, I like the preaching with Greek words explained. You know, I, you know, why, you know, why, can't we have more of this? You know what? I get it. Sometimes that seems really important. It seems really important until you have conversations like I do, unfortunately, where you learn how a 20-year-old girl was abused by her older brother. You have conversations when you find out a 16-year-old kid was kicked out of his house and he's living in a park bench. Um, I, don't, I don't think either of those people care about worship style. They don't care about the nuances of a youth program. And they don't need that. They don't need better coffee. They don't need shorter services. Here's what they need. They need to be a part of a community of people who are committed to being fishers of men. There are broken people in this world. There are lost people in this world who really the church is the only hope. God has positioned you. God has positioned us to play this role. Life is but a mist. It's here and it's gone. And we have one thing that only we can do in this time period. It's be 
fishers of men. Look, everybody says they want to change the world. If I was to go out and interview 100 people and say, hey, would you like to change the world? Everybody says vote yet. Everybody wants to change the world. And Jesus is putting before you and I the opportunity to change the world. Literally, change the world. Change people's lives. Change people's forevers. Don't pass up on that opportunity to do the equivalent of Christian bocce ball. And don't, don't pass it up for don't pass it up for a hobby. Don't waste your life for a career. Don't waste your life for relationships. Don't waste your life for a better education. Make the most of your life for Jesus. Make the most of your life changing the world. Make your most of your life by being fishers of men. But it does come at a cost. Like I said, it cost them everything. They walked away from the biggest catch they had ever had. I'm sure it was worth some money. Nets, boats. Let me show you this verse in Matthew 4. And going on from there, he saw uh, two brothers, James. So this is kind of the same scene. And John and his brother in the boat with uh, Zebedee, their, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. Uh, they left their, their boat and their father. So here's the scene. They've got a, a bunch of fish that they could have sold and made some money. They got net. They could have eBayed the nets. They could have done. They could have done something with the boat. <laughs> and their father just leave their father just standing there, like, what the heck just happened? He just left. And the word says immediately. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I've been like Jesus. Like, let me sell this fish. Let me sell this boat. Um, let me just go explain to my father what, what's going on here. He's just standing there, like, like he's lost, and I feel bad for him. You give me two months, I'm right there. I'm there, guns blazing. But immediately, they left everything. It cost, it cost them. That's what he does. Does this mean that everyone should quit their job? No, not actually. Maybe, but not actually. But here's what it is. It, it definitely means that you quit your job in your heart. Today. You quit your pursuit of you today in your heart. You pursued anything that would get in the way of you catching men and women for the glory of God. Anything, anything that would get in that way should be pushed aside. And here's the mark, because we, what we're talking about, we want to grow up, we want to we mature. That's what the normal, you know, as human beings we mature. As Christians, we want to mature, we want to grow up. And... The sign of immaturity is that it's about me and not them. It's about what I give. It's about, excuse me, it's about what I get, not what I give. It's about how I'm served, not how I serve. It's about what I want, not what the city needs. I mean, what do babies think about? What do little kids think about? I, uh, we've raised a few kids, and um, let me tell you what never happened. In the middle of the night, what never happened, or in the beginning of the day, what never happened is our kids never came to the side of our bed. And they never said, Mommy and Daddy, how can we serve you today? <laughs> I want, I need, and, oh, you know what it's like? That's what babies act like. This is what I want. This is what I need. That's what babies think about. They think about themselves. You know what adults think about? Think about babies. What do they need? What do they want? 
giving away their time, giving away their money, giving away their energy. And some of you parents are like half alive right now because you're with your, up with your kids all night. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, we should have this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child because you're a child. That's what children do. When I became a man or a woman, if you're a woman, I need to go in my chair and drool. Uh, I gave up childish ways. Do, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to be a baby? Keep thinking about yourself. You want to become a man? Give up childish ways. You know what the? You know what the? You know what? You know we all know what First Corinthians thirteen is about, right? It's love. We all love love. Our culture loves love. How do you love? You stop thinking about yourself. You put away childish thinking, and you grow up. And you start thinking about other people. Loving people and being on the mission of Jesus could not be more highly correlated. Join in with Jesus. So how do you get back on track? Well, I've got to... Well, let me say this. Understand that you won't feel like it. I mean, you may be inspired now or, or not, but if you are inspired... You may not feel inspired lady, later. Your, 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 your feelings are going to drive you to do this. Um, it's like exercise. I have a friend who competes in triathlons. Um, which, you know, what a marathon, a marathon's 20, you run 26.2 miles. Now, when you to do a triathlon, the first thing you do is you, sw- in a race, this is a race now, so you go all out, you swim 2.4 miles. Not 2.4 laps, 2.4 miles, Right? And then you get on a bike and you race for 112 miles. And then when that's done, you run a marathon for 26.2 miles. That's about 12 consecutive hours of exercise. How many here struggle with an hour of exercise? Let me tell you where I'm at. Like, like I'm I was like thinking the other day, maybe I should drive the car to the mailbox. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe not 12 hours of exercise. And um, he's like, you know, I was like, how do you, he's like, well, it's not physical. It's not a physical challenge. It's a mental, it's a mental thing. Like, it, yeah, that is mental. That is crazy. That is nuts. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, why would you, why would you do that? And so I asked him, I said, hey, why do you do this? Why do you exercise like this? And he said, well, I sit at a desk all day, and I just, I just feel like a blob if I didn't do anything. I'm like, that's not so bad. You know, you can, you can sit at your desk. You're going to eat that? You know, you just, um. <laughs> but if you were to go to him today and said, hey, want to run three miles? No problem. No problem. You ask me, you want to run three miles? Like if someone asked me last week, you want to run three? No. Why would, I, why would I do that? What reason would I have to do that? And even if I tried, it's like, it's not going to, it's just, I'm just going to be, it's going to be terrible. Like I'm, I'm, I was, I, yesterday I was sore. And I was trying to figure out like, what did I do? Like I woke up 
And I, I did drink some coffee, and I sat down. And then I went and got some more coffee, and I sat back down. And, oh, I went downstairs to get a shirt. That's what it is. Now my legs are sore. And so, like, that is... So if I listen to my... If I listen to my, my, my body to, to, to determine, like, what I would do, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, to run a... You know, I just would never, ever do it. And I think, like, when it comes to, like, being on mission for Jesus, like, you know, get on a mission. It's just like... For a lot of us, it's just like, man, yeah, because you're, you're engaged, you're serving, you're giving. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll do a little more. I could do that. Some of you are like, be a greeter. Oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, it's like, oh I can't do that. <laughs> Go to a community group. That's like a one night a week. Are you serious? But what I found out, like there's been times in my life I don't look like this, but there's been times in my life where, you know, I'd run one mile and then I'd run two miles and three miles and, and five miles. Like, hey, I, I can run. I can do this. Felt good about myself. Felt good. Uh, 20 push-ups, 30 push-ups, and 50 push-ups. Did one, two, three, four, ten pull-ups. Hey, this is, this is, oh, this is how your body's supposed to work. Your body is supposed to be able to do these things. You're supposed to not be breathing heavy. You're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be... Um, you know, you're not supposed to be tired. You're supposed to have energy. Your body is meant to function this way. And then exercise. Then, I, then I, I did feel that way. I did feel like, okay, if I don't get some exercise in, I began, it felt like it didn't feel quite right. And that was a healthy thing. That was a healthy thing. Look, when you, when you first engage with being on mission with Jesus, it's just going to feel like, man, you've been sitting around for however long you've been sitting around. And to even just do a little bit, it's going to feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. It, you, you know, you, you'll start to serve a little bit here, and then you'll be a part of a group, and then you'll, you'll serve more in that, and you'll serve a little more. So, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you're looking around your neighborhood. How can I meet the needs of my neighborhood? How can I meet the needs of my city? And you'll start giving. You'll start giving regularly and in a percentage and progressively. And anytime someone, yeah, I want to give. And you'll be looking for opportunity. You'll be looking, hey, how can I serve? Just like this guy, I mean, it's like, how do you even, how do you even, I mean, he's got a, a, a big job. How do you even find time? Well, I wake up at four in the morning. I, when I get home, so I wake up at four in the morning. I go for a three-hour run. I get home. I go for a few-hour bike ride. You know, you know, I go swimming here and there. I'm just like, he's just looking for opportunities to squeeze it in, squeeze it in, squeeze it in, squeeze it in. And when you get on mission with Jesus more and more, you'll just find opportunities. I'm, I'm going to squeeze it in. I'm going to squeeze it in. I'm going to find that. you're laying down your life and and here's the thing when when i do messages like this um here's what happens everybody who's already serving and giving and loving and caring oh you want me to serve love care more yeah i'll do that i'll do more i'll do more everyone who's not doesn't it's just like you know, if you were to say who wants to exercise, everyone who's already exercising is going to exercise today. All of us, like, who are going to sit on our couch and drool, are just, we're not going to exercise today. I don't want that to happen spiritually. Some of you are serving at a very high capacity, and, a, and if you're doing everything Jesus asked you to do, don't, out of any kind of guilt, do more. I'd rather a need not get unmet than for you to feel burnout. I don't want that to happen. 
But I do, if you're not engaged, if you're not, if you, and you, you know this in your heart, if you're not, I want to invite you some, forward this morning. I want to invite you into this. I want to invite you away from yourself and, and into joy. I want to invite you away from yourself and into peace. I want, you to, I want you to invite yourself into something that seems paradoxical. It doesn't seem like it would make sense, but that's the way of the kingdom. The kingdom is up is down and down is up. The first is last, the last is first. The least are those who give away themselves or who, don't, or who hold on to themselves, and the greatest are those who give away themselves. If you really want to live, you've got to die. It's paradoxical. It says of Jesus in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There is a joy out there that you've not even scratched the surface on that Jesus wants to invite you in. There's a peace that you've not even scratched the surface on and experience that he wants to invite you in. And you invite it. You only experience if you lay down your mission and you take up his mission. You become a fisher of men.